I'm thankful for the opportunity to bring the message today. A few weeks ago, Brother Jeff asked me to preach uh, in his absence. He will be back next Sunday, I think. But uh, he asked me, uh, when he asked me, he asked me if I would preach on the topic of prayer and missions. Now, that's not two different, kind, that's not two different subjects, by the way. Uh, actually, prayer and missions are uh, so linked together uh, in God's Word and in God's plan that they are inseparable. Uh, you can go without praying, but you can't pray without going. And so as you pray, uh, someone has said prayer changes things. Actually, prayer changes us. And this is what the Lord, I think, wants us to understand in our scripture passage today. Turn with me in the Bible to Matthew chapter 35. I'm sorry, chapter 9, nine in verse 35. Uh, there, last I checked, there were not 35 chapters in Matthew, but I'll verify that later on. Uh, chapter 9 and verse 35. And while you're turning there, I want to call your attention. You may have noticed some different colored cards uh, just outside the door here. There's something different written on each card. And so you could actually, and I invite you to take one of each card. There are eight in total. So eight cards out there. And uh, these cards are uh, list the names of people in Nashville, uh, people uh, who are of the Somali immigrant community. And I'm going to tell you more about that here in a moment. But you'll see a list of names here, and none of them, as far as we know, knows Jesus as their Savior. They're Muslim, and they need to know. People need the Lord, and they need the Lord. And so we're asking that you would take eight of these cards, one from each stack, or if you don't want that many, take some, and pray regularly for the salvation of these people. Their names are there. Uh, you're not going to see Bill and Tom and Sue on there. You're going to see Mustafa and you're going to see uh, Ahmed and Mohammed and names like that because of where they are in life. But they need the Lord. And we're asking you if you will pray for them. And so at the end of the service, if you've not already done so, please pick one of those up or eight of those up. On your listening guide on the reverse side is a list of mission opportunities. And I would ask that you read that over sometime today and acquaint yourself with that. There are things that will happen and opportunities for missions, uh, especially uh, uh, the uh, prayer walk and especially also the foundations for missions training that's coming up. And on the bottom of your listening guide, there's a commitment, a prayer commitment that says, Lord, I commit to you that I will regularly and faithfully pray for the harvest fields of the world. I will pray that you send forth laborers into those fields until your kingdom come and that your will is being done among all peoples. So please consider that as I, as I preach and ask the Lord also to speak to you from his word and through his word today. Let's pause and pray right now. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to you right now, we ask that you speak to our hearts. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you will speak through this message and through your word to each and every one of us and show us, Lord, the priority that you have in your heart that we pray for missions. And so, Lord, help us and teach us to pray. Lord, may we commit to pray 
And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, the scripture says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now some translations say in that verse that they were harassed and helpless like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now. If you stop to think about it, that's sort of an odd uh, command. Because here the Lord of the harvest is saying to, to the people, his disciples, he says, you pray and ask me to send out laborers into my harvest. I don't know many farmers, but I, I don't think that any farmer that I do know would be standing around saying, you know, I sure wish one, somebody would ask me to go out and work in my fields and get the crops to come in, get the harvest done. No, farmers that I know are very motivated. So why is it that the Lord of the harvest would turn to his disciples and say, ask me, pray to me, that I will send out laborers into the harvest field? As we read our text this morning, I think that it suggests at least three different reasons, and I want to share those with you. But through prayer for missions, God will open our eyes to a plentiful harvest. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. Now, Jesus had just come back from a mission trip himself. In fact, Jesus never did say to us, uh, Look out there at those fields that are white under harvest. You guys go on out there and I'll wait back here for you. He never said that. But Jesus first went out and modeled for us how we're to do it. And the scripture here says that he went out among the people and he went to all their cities and all their villages and he healed every sickness and every disease among the people and he preached the gospel of the kingdom. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep having no shepherd. I've heard that in Jesus' day there were around, around 300,000 people in the world. I don't know how they came up with that figure. But today they say there are around 7 billion people in the world. Quite a population explosion. And so... What Jesus said in his day is even more true in our day that the harvest is plentiful because either you are harvested, and I hope and pray that all of us are, that means that you have heard the gospel and you have been saved, you've come to Jesus as Savior and Lord, and you're on your way to heaven. But for the vast majority of this world, they are yet to be harvested. And they're condemned already and they're dying. And when they do die, whether of COVID or whether of old age or whatever they die of, they're going to spend an eternity in hell. And Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. 
And we can acknowledge that by reading st st statistics and we can uh, hear a sermon on it, how plentiful it is. But I think that until we truly get down and begin to pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth labors, until we pray that prayer, then we ourselves cannot see the harvest as Jesus sees it. We cannot see the magnitude of it. We cannot see the need of it. Jesus, the Bible says that his heart was moved with compassion on them. Aren't you glad that when he looked at you, whenever you were saved, when he looked at you, he looked at you with compassion and he died for you and he rose again for you. Aren't you glad of that? And yet he did that same thing for seven billion people in this world and he says the harvest is plentiful. We can never see that until we begin to pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers into his harvest field. It is plentiful, but the Lord has organized it into bite-sized portions. He says in Acts 1.8 that we are to be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now that's pretty bite-sized, isn't it? <laughs> and he was talking to his disciples 2,000 years ago, and if he were to appear to us today, and speak to us, which he is speaking to us today. He would say, First Baptist Church of, Clarks, uh, of, uh, of St. Bethlehem in Clarksville, I want you to know that you're to be witnesses unto me first in, in Clarksville, and then in Tennessee, and in North America, and then uh, all the areas of racial prejudice, which is like the Samaritans. And then he said, to the very ends of the earth. And so the harvest is plentiful, but the Lord has organized it. And he says there is a critical need for, uh, for workers to go out into the harvest field. And I want to tell you this. Someone has said that prayer changes things. Let me say this. Prayer does not change things near as much as, as prayer changes us. When we pray like this, we, be, we, we grow close to the heart of God. Got a little grandson that... Uh, uh, you know, he's about three years old and, and sometimes he'll just come and he'll crawl up into Papa's lap and that is just, I mean, I can feel his heart beating against my heart. There's nothing better. And whenever you and I crawl up into the lap of God and we begin to say to the Lord, oh Lord, I know where your heart is. I know that you, see, you came to seek and to save that which is lost. And, O oh Lord, I know that you died, and you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, I'm just going to crawl up into your lap today, and I'm going to let my heart beat where your heart is beating. And he will open our eyes to the harvest in a way that we've never seen it before. Secondly, prayer for missions. Through prayer for missions, if you are willing to do it, God rectifies the problem which impedes the harvest. Now the reality of it is this, that, that there are 7 billion people in the world today and the harvest is truly plentiful. But do you know that through God's ordained will, He wants people to be saved through our testimony and through our going after them and telling them he wants them to be saved through through us those of us who go out and 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 tell people about Jesus so that they can hear and can be saved i remember reading 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many of you have ever heard that verse? For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. I love that verse. But if you continue to read in Romans after verse 13 in chapter 10, you will also read several questions. The scripture says, how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe unless they hear? And how can they ever hear unless someone go and tell them, unless there is a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? There it is, that word Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers into his harvest. And so Jesus did not say the harvest is plentiful but the finances are low. He didn't say that. We say that sometimes. Jesus didn't say that. In fact, the scripture, God's word says of God, he says, uh, silver is mine and gold is mine, says the Lord. And the psalmist says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And in Ephesians 3.20, it says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we even think or ask. Jesus didn't say that the problem was the funds are low. He said the problem is that the workers are few. I just want to say something about a real life experience that that some of you know about and some of you don't. But First Baptist Church of St. Bethlehem has, since a few months ago, has a little ad hoc missions prayer group. And we were meeting uh, on Sunday nights, every Sunday night at 5 o'clock in a, in a classroom, and we were praying for missions. And then when COVID hit, guess what happened? Well, we couldn't meet together anymore, so we started meeting on Zoom. Well... That has some things to be desired, doesn't it? I, don't know, I know some of you are trying to meet Sunday school classes and things like that on Zoom, but uh, we still met on Zoom. And, and for several weeks, we were praying for missions. And as God opened our eyes to the need to pray, he revealed to us that there are, there's a people group of some 16 million people, an unreached people group, very, very few missionaries trying to reach them. They're all Muslim. And they are all from Somali, and they call themselves Somalis, by the way. And some of you may be thinking right now, wow, aren't, uh, aren't those Muslim Somalis uh, kind of difficult? Uh, we hear a lot about terrorism. Well, let me remind you that Saul of Tarsus himself was a terrorist before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And so we began to pray for the Somali people and we discovered through God's uh, revelation that, that there are 6,000 Somali immigrants living in Nashville. And we discovered also that there is a missionary couple living in an apartment complex with Somali people and that missionary couple are trying to reach the Somalis for Christ. We discovered all this through praying and God opening doors and helping us to see what was going on. And as we were praying for their salvation, COVID hit and, and hit them as well as everybody. Some of them are truck drivers and all of them are trying to adjust to life in the United States. All of them are Muslim. And we began to pray and to talk and we began to say 
to one another, is there anything that we can do that might have an impact that would help them in some tangible way? And the idea came out that we could help maybe 20 families if we could find $2,000 that we would buy grocery vouchers or food vouchers for 20 families among the Somali people. And our missionary there would give them to the Somali people just so that they would know Christian people love them and care for them and are interested in them. So here we are as a prayer group, not very many of us. We have no budget. And we decided that we would somehow come up with $2,000 to give to those people. But we're not going to ask the church and we're not going to ask people. We're going to let it be known. We're not going to hide it, but we're just going to ask God. So we began to ask God for $2,000 so that we could do this. And in less than a week, God had given us $2,700. So we could help not 20 families, but 27 families. Well, the story's not over. Outside of our church, and by the way, if you heard about that and if you gave, thank you for giving. But outside of our church, word somehow got out as God would have it. And in less than a month, $10,100 were given for food relief for this Somali community. And we've been able to help 100, uh, over around 100, around between 80 and 100 Somali families. And those Somali families are grateful for the help and they're asking a question or two. They're saying, who in the world took enough interest in us? Foreigners in America, Muslims in the Bible Belt South, who took enough interest in us to help us like this? And they were told, well, there's this church up in Clarksville called First Baptist Church of St. B, and uh, they're the one that got it started. Well, it was really God, but that's what they were been told. And now the Somali people are saying, we'd like to meet those people, and we'd like to thank them. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think that God may be opening some hearts as well as some doors? I, that's, that's where this prayer card comes in. Every color card represents a different uh, community or a different neighborhood in Nashville and they have the names of Somali families on them who have received this uh, food assistance so over 80 of them listed on these eight cards and we are praying that God will do only what he can do that his Holy Spirit will go into those neighborhoods you know we might be uh, prohibited by COVID from moving around in certain places but God's Spirit is not hindered he is not bound and I am asking you we are asking you to take these cards and keep them over time and pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers and that that uh, Mohammed uh, and that shake and that others will be harvested for the kingdom and they will turn from darkness of Islam into the glorious light of the gospel of Christ. How hard is that? It's not hard at all. Well, it is hard. I want to retract what I said. Prayer is hard, 
It's one of the hardest things I ever did. Some people say, well, sorry for your disappointment or sorry for your sickness, but at least we can pray. No, that's not the least thing we can do. It's the best thing. It's the greatest thing, and that is pray. He says, pray the Lord of the harvest. And so when, he, when we pray like that, then he will rectify the problem that stops us, whatever that problem may be. And I guarantee you, if you and I are not willing to pray, Satan will always throw up uh, blocks. Uh, he will throw up uh, barriers. He will tell us it can't be done. And yet when we go to our knees in prayer, then the Lord rectifies the problem. Sometimes that problem, and often it's just in our heart. So he opens our eyes to the plentiful harvest. He rectifies the problem which impedes the harvest. But thirdly, through prayer for missions, God unleashes the power to reap that harvest. Read back what Jesus said in verse 38. He says, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The only other times that this word send out is used in the New Testament is in relation to when Jesus cast out demons from demon-possessed people. The Greek word or the Greek phrase ekbalo is used. And so when you read in the New Testament, the original language would say that Jesus ekbaloed the demons from the demon-possessed man. Those demons did not leave willingly, but they left forcefully under the authority and the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he uses the same phrase to say to us to pray the Lord of the harvest that he will powerfully send out laborers into his harvest field. And I'm so glad that the Lord is still sending out laborers. But this is a dangerous prayer to pray because if you are burdened for the lostness of your neighbor and you begin to pray for him or you begin to pray for her, you're going to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit say to you, you go, you go. A number of years ago, I was in seminary uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana, getting my master's degree. My vision was to uh, be a pastor, and preferably my ego was bound up in it, of course, and I wanted to be a pastor of a big church with a big name, big reputation, and a uh, big influence, all those things. That was my dream. And one day my wife and I went to chapel service and we had a missionary speaker there and he spoke on Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. And it was all I could do at the invitation to keep from going forward, but I didn't, I didn't go forward. But Karen and I went to our apartment that day and in our little seminary apartment, we got on our knees in our living room at our coffee table. I took her hand in mine and we said, Lord, we had some plans, but you're the one who is Lord. And if you can use us somewhere in this world, other than the Bible Belt South, then we will go. And life since then has seemed like ekbalo. It seemed like we were literally forced and shot out of a cannon. If I have one regret about being a missionary it's that I don't have more than one life to give for it it's the best life you can ever have 
We raised three children on the mission field. All of them are serving the Lord today. All of them are blessed. And of course, they got those great kids, which are our grandkids. But I, can't, I can tell you that there is nothing like being the person who goes to someone who does not know Jesus and someone who has never heard about Jesus and going to them and sharing the gospel and seeing their face change, seeing their face light up and, and hearing them say, I've never heard this before. Yes, that's what I've been waiting for. All my life, I believe I received Jesus. And we have been blessed to see that over and over and over again. It is my prayer that God will work prayer into the fabric of our church. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Can we not pray that all nations, all ethnic groups, all communities of people come to know the Lord? I'm so happy that in our church, we have a young woman who grew up in the church, and I've asked her permission if I may share this, and she said yes. But Jessie Greer recently graduated from Union University, and she's been accepted by our International Mission Board to go somewhere. It's not yet determined, but she'll go somewhere in the world and serve as a journeyman for two years. And all of this started because Jessie had put her life before the Lord and said to the Lord, Lord, there are people out there who need you. And the Lord said to her, I'll go, or you go. And, and she said, I will go. I hope and I pray that things are such that we as a church can gather around her maybe in November and, and send her off. Like the church at Antioch sent off Barnabas and Saul for the work where God called them to do. But the going of a missionary is not just sending them out and cutting them loose. No, by, by the fact that we are a body and, and we're a church body and some of us are, are noses and some of us are ears and some are feet and some are eyes, you know, you get that picture. God does not send one of us out without also sending all of us out. And I pray that we as a church will be that house of prayer for all nations. Who knows? Maybe there's more than Jesse. Maybe there's a young family. Maybe there are more young people, young men, young women in our church that could also pray and hear the Lord say to them, you go. Will you join in prayer like that? At the bottom of your listening guide, there's a prayer there. And I ask you not to check it unless you have prayed and asked the Lord if you should check it. But it says, Lord, I commit to you that I will regularly and faithfully pray for the harvest fields of the world. I will pray that you send forth laborers into those fields until your kingdom has come and your will is being done among all peoples. Amen. Will you commit to praying like that? If you will, you don't have to turn this in at all. In fact, I just ask you to stick it in your Bible as a reminder. But what is your answer to the Lord Jesus today? 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And as we, as we go to him in prayer, know that in a moment we'll have an invitation time. And if God is leading you to make a public commitment, a commitment to pray, if you want to, you can come and make that public. I'd be glad to pray with you. If you need to be saved or if you need to join the church or whatever God has led you to do, this is also an opportunity, his invitation. Father, we ask that right now you speak to our hearts. Lord, lead us to commit to that which is your priority rather than ours. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.